If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their you lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. Back again. Back once again. One more round. That's right. We got one of our own. Man, I, it's always amazing to me to see how, how far these guys take it. Truly is. I mean, when, being a seal is one thing, and you get out <laughs> and, and hear these directions. ultra runners, and this guy, man, just you know, an astronaut. <laughs> well, he's working on it. He, right? is, he's, he is on his way to becoming number four. Yeah. Of course, we already had uh, a great guest. Yeah, Cassidy, ultra another teammate. Right. Individual and Chris Cassidy, right? Veteran. That's cool. The yes, first or not? First two members of the Space Force. <laughs> they make a hell of a fire team, wouldn't they? Right. NASA particularly down here in Houston, is something close to your heart, isn't it? You've been down there. It is. I have. Actually, um, I got to go down there on my birthday last year. Melanie hooked that up for, for Mojo and I. And um, mm-hmm. go down in Mission Command. Everybody at NASA is great, man. Um, and Melanie had some family that actually worked there. But we got to go in while they were checking in with the space station. And yeah. I, I'm buddies with a few of those astronauts. The uh, Was this Scott. down in the like control? Yeah, down in the control room. Control room? Yeah, Mission Control. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, it's just, just computers like this just sitting everywhere and everybody checking on everybody. And, man, it's something. It truly is that, that, that endeavor. Good Lord, man. And put a, keep them in space. Keep, put them in space and keep them there. And just how everything runs up there, they, they run a pretty clean shop. So it, it's cool, man. And, and it's, so you talked to someone in orbit, right? Yeah, Vandy. I would email him back and forth <laughs> through uh, while he was up in the, in the International Space Station. Like, hey man, you need some movies or anything like that? As if he didn't have it, you know, that's could stream every everything that's ever happened. You know, up I don't, to I don't that. know if you've got the proper resources up there, but I've got some movies I can share. With yeah, you. yeah, exactly. It's like I, I don't know what do you, and just I was joking. With him. I was like, hey man, we'll send you some carrot bag, like sock and baby powder. You know, everything that we get. Hand in the world sanitizer. Of, hand hand sanitizer. A lot of hand sanitizer. Yeah, man, them guys go. are great. That's a cool job. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping to get out there and, and check it out for myself at some point. But 
We've got uh, so we've got Mario Romero coming in, and he is a, a former team guy, and um, he has just took a new position down there at NASA. He's on this path to become an astronaut. But before we get into talking too much about, uh, well, before we get into the description of exactly who he is, why we're having him on here, and what you're going to learn from him, let's do some housekeeping, huh? All right, how to listen to us. You can stream directly from our website at tnqpodcast.com or virtually any other podcast app, whether it's on the iPhone or the Android. iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, and Radio Publix, where you can find us. All right, and social media, if you go in for such things, you can follow Team Never Quit on all the major networks. Instagram, you can follow the show specifically, TNQ Podcast, Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, and myself at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. Or just type in tnqpodcast.com and you can listen directly to all of our current and past episodes. Everybody from David Goggins, Mike Rowe, Mark Wahlberg, Captain Charlie Plum, and Mr. Andre Agassi. And a, a list that, that just... It's amazing. It is, man. It is so, so amazing that we've, we've had all these guests. Thank you all so much for doing that. It is. And uh, merchandise. We have hats and T-shirts. And one of our favorite things is probably our most favorite thing. Basically, the main body of this whole Team Never Quit is our listener write-in stories. And you can find that under the menu tab at Share Your Story. And you can also write in and share your own story. All right. So we've got Mario coming into the studio. He's going to sit down with us here momentarily. So in a quick recap, he is a former U.S. Navy SEAL graduate of Columbia University in pure mathematics and currently in pursuit of becoming a NASA astronaut. His story starts, he graduated from high school and took a cross-country athletics scholarship to Rowan College in New Jersey, but soon uh, decided to move on to an enlistment in the U.S. Navy where he goes through buds. He's assigned to a team on the West Coast. He stays active for the next eight years. Once he gets out, though, he goes through a rough patch in that transition. He eventually pulls out of that. I think he's probably going to get into talking to us on that on that topic. But um, he pulls out of that, and it was his longtime interest in astronomy that led him to San Diego Mesa College, where he started taking classes in astronomy and astrophysics. He then moves on to Columbia University in New York City, where he graduated, like I just mentioned, uh, just last year with a degree in pure mathematics, which sounds extremely easy. I, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> what a waste of time. Yeah. I don't even know where to start on that. Yeah, it a, sounds um, smart guys. quite intimidating. Along the line, he developed a dream of becoming an astronaut, and the next logical step for him was down here in Houston, where he recently started work as an international space station and EVA dive operations tech. I think he hooked up with uh, old Chris Cassidy and helped uh, help line that up for him. But. That's awesome, man. So he's well on his way to join the other three team guys who have been astronauts. Bill Shepard, Cassidy, and of course, Johnny Kim. What we have skipped over in all that are the periods of difficulty. Sure. Which we've had conversations with him um, in the past about that, and he is going to bring a lot of, it's going to illuminate a lot of wisdom and uh, things that the listeners are going to be able to take away from this. Uh, yeah, especially since we got him in the team room, so this is going to be cool. Can't wait. So let's wheel that cart we got him chained to uh, into the studio here, and we'll put a microphone in front of his face. And as soon as he stops screaming, we will uh, press record. What do you say, Marcus? Let's do it. Well, he's here in studio. Marcus, you let him on the property, so that's already... Uh, he made it through the gates. Well vetted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, Can't uh, get through here without that. 
He's sitting there right next to you, so we can't go on too long pretending he's here. like he's not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's up, buddy? Thanks for coming out. It's great to meet you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody else to hear this story. Oh, man. Mario Romero. For the, the list of your accomplishments, man, are amazing. Seriously. I, uh, I've run into one other person, one other team guy that, that just kind of, when I heard your qualifications, just kind of blew my mind. I was in a, uh, I was in a neurological class for, eight, you know, for the medics for 18 Deltas, and this guy, one of our teachers walked in. He had, he had a Budweiser on his chest and a pair of flight wings. He was literally a neurosurgeon. So he's a Navy SEAL in Vietnam, then became an F-16 pilot, and then became a neurosurgeon. How do you have that much time, right? You'd think, but he, that just goes to show, man, time is irrelevant. It's just how much what you want to do and the amount of time that, that you're allotted, right? And it's a whole new class of individual. It's a Chris Cassidy type of uh, a specialist. You're definitely a specialist, a man. Yeah, and he's on that path. And the Space Force just came online, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're almost in, you're just in time. I mean, you guys are going to need Force. a medic and maybe a door gunner or whatever it is, man. I'm throwing my hat in the <laughs> ring on that. <clears throat> but before we get into that, we got to take care of the serious business, which is the Mad Minute. The Mad Men is a series of questions which will truly test your mental aptitude in ways that has not been challenged thus far. Wow. So, are you prepared to undergo this examination? I think I'm ready. All right, buddy. Marcus? Okay, what was the last thing that happened to you you were glad nobody was looking and saw? Probably drove over a curb and uh, going in reverse in a vehicle. Definitely had to go rubberneck looking around, making sure nobody saw this mistake. But I'm glad I just put it out there now. <laughs> Wait, you accidentally drove in reverse? Or you oh, no, no. I went in reverse, but I didn't see this uh, oh, curb the right thing? behind me. Yeah, it snuck up. <laughs> I swear it wasn't there before. All right, all right. Good was a buddy of mine. One time we were in Whataburger parking lot, man. He threw it in reverse to do something like that and went backwards and blew all four tires. Oh, jeez. I'm, I'm pretty sure we were trying far. to get out of there in a hurry, too. Didn't work out well. I got to ask you this question. Since your affiliation with uh, NASA at this point, do aliens exist in your opinion? So I think that's a great question. I side with uh, Dr. Tyson when he says it would be inexcusably egocentric to suggest we are alone in the universe. Mm. Um, It's just too vast. The universe is too big to not be teeming with life. There are equations and paradoxes out there that that suggest why if there is, you know, an abundance of life. Why haven't we found any? But we also haven't been looking very long. Our radio waves travel at what 186,282.4 miles per second. So it doesn't. It hasn't reached that far since we've at the invention of radio mm-hmm. uh, astronomy and radio communications. So I think there are. If you if you look at where we are, an intelligent now now we also have to separate. Do you mean an intelligent? Species, because I think it's absolutely teeming with like like single celled life form, definitely out there. There's grass out there somewhere. Um, there are, yeah, you got everything else out there helium and hydrogen and yeah. everything else that makes up. What's our furthest deep? I mean, the, the black night flowing around, the spottings on that. And I mean, hell, man, there, there's aliens underwater, there's stuff down yeah. there we hadn't even oh, seen. Yet. I mean, there's thermo, there's the uh, extremophiles down by the in the thermo vents down there that we still have no idea, which are which are also just awesome. Um, we're still discovering new life down there. It's a mystery in 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 the bottom of the sea. It um, is, man. That's the craziest thing too. Because to, not to get down a rabbit hole, but we we know that. I mean, I can't believe we don't have a city down there, like a, like an underwater lab. You, you would think because this place is flooded before, and all the especially all the the 
knowledge that's down there, all the stuff that we learn, and it's so vast. You know how it works, so you're in a team's man, water rusts. It's right, you yeah. just go, it's the most powerful element on the planet, man. It crushes it, and then... NASA NASA actually does have several experiments that are conducted underwater, and there are there are facilities that exist down there. There's one project called the NEMO project. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but mm-hmm. they go down there, and they it's just like... I'm sure you've seen either the Abyss or Leviathan yeah, yeah. where they go in from underneath and right. it's like this capsule uh, under pressure. The astronauts actually go in there and do some training in there in this pressurized environment. But they uh, they conduct all kinds of science. And if you look at images or the imagery of like the external of this node that exists, it's already eaten up and it hasn't been that long. And right. so the, the ocean floor is sort of slowly turning it into part of it. So it's crazy how easily and how quickly it would things would just deteriorate down there. What's the deepest space probe that's out there right now? It's so we have Voyager, Voyager, yeah, Voyager, Voyager, right? Voyager one and two, which are out there. Depending on your definition of our solar system, some people like to say it's escaped our solar system. Some people say beyond Pluto into the Kuiper comet belt. Yeah. I think Kuiper comet belt and the Oort comet cloud are all still subject to the gravitational pull of our sun. So oh, I still it. can <laughs> I still consider it well within our range of of the solar system it hasn't left in my opinion some people have different definitions you know once it leaves that Oort comet cloud and it, it, it's it's no longer subject to our sun's gravity and it's now in like interstellar space that's when and i don't think we're going to see that for a long time do you know what year that was launched that was launched in 60s or no that was 70s, 70s uh, i think it was in the 70s. 70s so it's been out there for 40 almost yeah. 50 years yeah and it's just re- reaching that point yeah, yeah, I saw that photo it travels. sent back of Earth, like that little grain of sand. Yeah, that's my favorite, favorite <laughs> oh, photo. Oh, me too, man. That's, I, that in the, 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 when they finally um, photoed the, uh, the Milky Way, our galaxy, yeah. you know, basically like there, there's spherical. Yeah, the, yeah. Different, the different galaxy types. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's absolutely amazing. The spiral galaxies. And spirals, right? And when those two combine together, like we're going to run into Andromeda. Oh, right? we are going to run into yeah, Andromeda. Exactly. We don't have to worry about that for yeah, a right. while. It's heading this yeah. way, right? Be, <laughs> it's going to be pretty interesting. So when those two things, when they merge together, and that's the cool thing about, you know, we talk about life everlasting and whatnot, because when a, a supernova explodes, it becomes a nebula, which creates, you know, when stars, it's just the vastness. The enriched guts of that yeah. supernova yeah. is is like a just a, a rich environment for life because yeah. all it's, those it's, elements have condensed into heavier elements and now we're ready to you know we have the pot ready to go and we're ready to have right the conditions for life I mean, hell, organic chemistry is what made me join the teams <laughs> finally you know i studied that elite a little when you find out that helium and hydrogen are the two base elements uh, the most powerful things on the planet if the th- whole thing got destroyed the love between those two elements come together and when they fuse they form everything else in between underneath which is us right that's if that's we're fusion. if we're made up of stardust and if if a star was formed in nine billion years and a baby's formed in nine months just everything out there is formed bigger and everything down here it, it goes smaller yeah but the pattern's still the same yep and the way it rotates together it's it's amazing so when tyson was talking about life whole thing's alive that's the beautiful part about the creation this Where is way at? more than a rabbit hole. This is a wormhole, and we got to oh, we got to pull man. out. We gotta Nobody pull likes out talking thing. about this stuff, man. Yeah, this is this is my area. We can hit back. We can sing back to Earth. Real quick. back on this. I got one for you. If you could travel backward in time, fifteen years, and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Or, and, if you could call yourself fifteen years in the future, what would, question would you ask? So that's hard because I'm a super skeptic as as a scientific. Minded, I, I, 
obviously need proof and evidence. So uh-huh. if somebody called me, I would just be like, yeah, this is a joke. You know, like who, who is this? Obviously somebody's playing with me. Let's uh, take it for granted that you believe you're talking to yourself. Um, so if I could go back, I would, you know, I, I don't know because there are mistakes that were very valuable that I, that I made. There were, there were mistakes that, that made their way to this more, I guess, truer self that I am, which I really don't like saying that because it sounds super chakra and like, you know, weird and, and, but I, that's a good question. I have no idea. I would tell myself to be more honest with myself, you know, be more honest right away. Cause I think, uh, I think, and I've said this before, I think oftentimes we, we have a tendency to walk around life and the way I kind of visualize it is we have this tendency to walk around carrying these like shields, you know, Mm -hmm. and on the opposite ends of those shields are mirrors and what those mirrors do, the functionality is we use that to reflect characteristic traits of people with whom we want to be relevant with. And so sometimes if you, you want to see a little bit of yourself in me and that's what keeps me around, sometimes these shields, they get burdensome and too heavy. And so when you realize you're, you're becoming more of everybody else and less of yourself, mm. it, it, it's burdensome. So I would say to myself, drop those shields, let them smash and care about what you want to care about. Do the things that you want to do. And the prime example that I generally use when I say this is sports. I was at a pub crawl in Pacific Beach and I had a Phillies jersey on and I was walking around with all these people. And, you know, one of the people at the, at the crawl was like, hey, your guy just scored a, a home run. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's great. And she turns to me and says, in a very matter of fact tone, like, you don't even care about sports, do you? You don't even like this. And I found it as an opportunity to be 100% honest with myself. And I said, no. I don't care. I don't care at all. Like, unless I'm playing the sport, cool. Uh-huh. I don't care about like the, any of the points. I don't care about any of the, the right. you know, the different things of facets right. of, of the sport. And it was just a real moment in which I could unleash that burden. And I could just be like, I don't care. I only really actually cared about being relevant with you and, and you noticing when I'm not around, like Radiohead says, um, that's what I cared about. So if I could go back 15 years, I would say to myself, unburden yourself sooner, you know? Because be more of yourself earlier. That'd be an amazing of, lesson to learn as early in life as possible. Yes. Addy, you listen to this? Hey, pay attention. Yeah, but it's not designed it's that way for a reason. Yeah, <clears throat> you're not kidding. <laughs> if it was that easy, everybody would, uh, things would be completely different. Plus, the whole concept behind this is so it's going to be tough, especially in the first 40 years, man. That's the darkness part. What's the, what's your, what was your hardest day of buds? Uh, my hardest day at Bud's would probably have been in Hell Week. Um, I got hypothermia about four times during Hell Week. And I remember thinking, actually, in fact, it was uh, Warrior Elite. It was Dick Couch's book. I remember reading and rereading The Steel Pier. And that was the one thing God, that I... Sucked. That I standing there the whole time yeah. watching us go through that. I was like, oh, that was miserable, man. We lost more dudes <laughs> to Steel Pier on that day. than." <clears throat> so he made it sound like <laughs> like terrifying. And I was absolutely mortified about this this oncoming evolution. And however, he wrote it as it was going to happen on like Tuesday night. And so I had been preparing myself. And what I didn't realize was when it happened, it was actually like Monday night, Tuesday, early morning. So it happened way sooner (laughs) than I thought it was going to happen. It was super hard, obviously, but I hyped out. I got hypothermia. So, um, but once that was done, I knew I was done. I knew I was going to make it through because Wednesday was my birthday. I was going to, and I had only feared the steel pier in, in all the things, literature that I'd read on buds. And fortunately I got it out of the way real quick. So that was going into that. 
obviously mentally and physically was one of the hardest things that I had to do. Dude, still pure. That was so rough, man. Well, first of all, you, you exactly. You don't know you're you're in it. Yep. It just kind of you kind of first of all you kind of look up and you realize, oh wait a minute, we're we're in this right now. And then it's just because everybody around is kind of going yeah, away. It's dropped on you. Like you don't know what's coming. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yep. I've heard about this. And even even knowing about it. That, well, that, you know, that kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies anyways. But when you're sitting there and, and God dang, every time they would, you know, sun comes up, so you're waving to it from the drink, dude. Was and so, I was 127 pounds ooh, when I went through buds. so cold, yeah. I was 127. Out in that. 127 pounds. Yep. Dude. I was a little guy. I was, I was, I ran in, in college. I was a, a sponsored cross-country runner um, by Adidas and I had scholarships. So I was a runner. I had like zero body fat. And uh, it actually was the one of the worst things for me because obviously I was yeah, cold. Yeah, but you were light and you were, you know, there's a lot of endurance there. That's a big benefit. Yeah. But I was lighter too. I was 40 pounds lighter than what I am now. Yeah, I was 175. When, not if, this is not, we're just taking it as a given. When, not if the zombie apocalypse hits and and we assume that you are the last hope for humanity and must, and must select two or three other people to join your team and save the world. Who do you pick and why? I would suggest a biomedical researcher who would understand on a molecular level what's the happenings with this mutation or what's causing it. Okay. And Great answer. Good probably an agriculturalist, somebody who knows how to work, grow food. Because with them, I could teach tactics. I could teach weapons handling, manipulation. I can teach all those the survival skills. Um, but I do need somebody who can grow food, maintain, and somebody who can at least understand the human body. And that way they can also serve as the, the medical aspect. Let's get one more. You got one more. You got two or three. Oh, that was two. You, you can add three. one more to this. Hmm. Maybe some kind of like um, sailor of a sort who understands how to use sailboats and and. See, this is brilliant. This, uh, God, I love you. These are great answers. I've always thought that about the zombie apocalypse. The best place to be is offshore because you ever seen zombies swimming in any of these movies? No, but the only problem with being offshore is you're, you're worried about resources. It's a, it's a timing issue. You're only going to get a certain... I over, I've always thought like a gas and oil platform might be one of the best places, but mm -hmm. unless you have enough bait to catch fish you know, for the rest of your life. But then what are you going to do? You oh, some bait's in there. That's he, We had a guy on here the other day, man. He stuck out at sea for what, 72 days. Wow. So yeah, 72 70, days he was out yeah, there, man. And days. so anything floating in up, I, I, I've forgotten about this, but anything floating in the water, even if it's a log, will create its own ecosystem naturally. The zombie apocalypse, what if the zombies bite one of the sharks, turns the sharks into all the sharks? <laughs> That'd be a horrible kind of... <laughs> right. Right. That's actually Next a question. good Next script. Question. Those are great answers, though. Sharknado. Uh, Remember that? Shark wait, no, don't. Don't, don't, there? don't start oh. with Sharknado. <laughs> uh, Another question. <laughs> One of the craziest stories you've heard about something going down up in the space station. You know, I'll be honest. Everyone always asks, has anybody ever... You know, got it on in space. Oh, yeah. That's like one of the most popular questions. Great question. And I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't know the answer to that. I do know, however, everyone's reaction. Everyone who has been up to the space station, when I ask that question, their immediate reaction isn't to say no. It's generally look down, yeah. laugh, smile. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you interpret that as you will, but I have so my somebody suspicions. Has. <laughs> hell of a call to get. Right? 250 mile high club. <laughs> yeah. I mean, membership floating. 
Maybe four. How many could it possibly be? <laughs> that's awesome. All right, great answers. Yeah, good. All right, I man. Think, that's, I think, that's a mad minute, dude. Good yeah, job, bro. I think it's a mad minute. Thanks for your participation in that. As much as we like to think people like to come and listen to our funny little stories, they do come here for the reason that is really central in our, you know, name Team Never Quit podcast. Here are people, stories who've been there and done very difficult things, incredible things. They've suffered through these, um, these events and what they want to do is is find either motivation inspiration or practical knowledge in using that in their own lives and what they come across so if you wouldn't mind giving us a um never quit story hopefully your best or a series of those and uh floor is yours sir sure i think obviously we we all have plenty of those and being as this is like you know, run by team guys, I'm probably going to shy away from the physicality. I've had, I have a tendency to view life in, in many different aspects. And I, I've heard actually you guys mention it on previous podcasts where life to me is a series of road or a road with a series of alleyways. And those alleyways represent like the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional parts of life. And what I like to do obviously is I like to explore those different avenues. I like to push the envelope, see how far I can get on and every one of those aspects. I thought SEALs was obviously the hardest thing known to man that we could do. I wanted to do it. I wanted to push the envelope when it comes to like spirituality and emotion. You know, I, I, I go to science for that. I go to like astronomy, especially, but for me mentally was what I think is one of my most, uh, inspiring never quit stories is really lies in academics. So hmm. I was, I was obviously, I was raised in a household that had no education. No one in my family has any college I think me and my brother are the only two to actually finish high school. I had like an aunt that finished high school. So my parents never made it to high school. My mom never, barely made it into middle school. And there were some unfortunate conditions or reasonings why, why that went down. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine as a child growing up in a house, bringing homework home and being told, oh, nobody in this family is good at math. Nobody in this family is good at science. You know, it's just, it's not in, it's not who we are. And when we're kids, even as adults, we, have, we, we allow ourselves to believe these things about us that might not necessarily be true. Right. And so what that did for me is it set me on a life course, a future course in which I had allowed myself to believe I was terrible at math, terrible at science. I don't know how I graduated high school. 1.6 to 1.7 GPA. They must have just kicked me out, gave me a, a I, you know, I was so focused on athletics and wanted to, wanted to be a SEAL that I didn't care about academics. But that was obviously just how you were applying yourself because clearly you have the ability, you know, it's a, you have the capacity. Exactly what it is. It. So it wasn't time for you to get an education. That's incredible. Not like that. Just how much you can, <laughs> how hard you tried or how much you focus on it. Right. You just couldn't click. Yeah, no, exactly. Regular, like mathematics and my dad was a genius and all that. Right. And it just whatever, for whatever reason, when you're, when you're going through that, you're just like, man, I, I know I'm smart enough to do it, man. I, I just, I don't know what I couldn't find it is because our path was this way first, right? And there's two ways to get that education. You go around and learn everything by, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and that's what puts that those degrees on the wall. Or you go up the the opposite way and do it, but kind of sitting there and you know as well as I do, man. You read something, you see it. That's one thing, but it's everything's unique to the individual trying to apply it. Getting out there and road testing it, you realize, well, man, you are a little bit different. You you can't figure that stuff out, which means your parents could too. But, it, yeah. I mean, they had to do what they had to do to get you where you were at. And good Lord, they did a good job, brother, because look, I mean, come on. So, that, like, throughout my whole life, it's been a, uh, I mean, up until I decided to go back to school, 
you know, it's been one of those dark looming clouds that kind of hovered over me my whole life. We all have these things that we're terrified of. And me, math is like a terrifying thing. Physics and science is a terrifying thing. It really held me captive for so long. And being the types of people we are, one of the things that SEAL training taught me and, and you know, being in the teams taught me was that we should always move towards in the direction of that difficult thing that scares us. And I hated that something out there existed that just owned me. And, and it was like this fear that I didn't know multiplication. I still have a, you still see me counting with my fingers because I'm, I don't know the multiplication. I have to like write this stuff down. So I just, I, I really hated um, being held captive for so long. When I did decide to go back to school and I did decide, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, I had to start back at, this was after the teams and everything. I had to start at an embarrassingly low math class and science classes. I had to start at what was called like math 038. There was like math 03, which is like pre pre algebra study skills, how to open the math book. And it was a daunting, it was a daunting road ahead. It was, it was going to take me five years to, to, to get any degree in anything science and math related because it was like math 038 and then math 046 and then math 07 something and then math 96 and then math 104. And then I would start a real math class, a college math class. Then I would get into pre-calculus. So it was like five or six classes before I would get into that. That's how bad I was on this like entrance exam that I had to take. And it was, it's embarrassing, you know, a daunting task when you look at it. It's super embarrassing. But, but the reality is I wanted it. I, I hated being afraid of this. And so one of the things I kind of did was I eliminated all those things in my life that no longer served me a positive purpose in that direction. So obviously, you know, you get out of the teams, everybody has almost everybody has like a crazy drinking problem and it just happens, you know, I, unfortunately I was fortunate enough to go to the VA, um, get pretty awesome treatment there. I know that somebody have, some people have horror stories. I had, I didn't have a horror story. I had an amazing story, a uh, 52 week long prolonged exposure therapy. And it really kind of helped me steer me straight cut booze out of my life for two years, over two years. And I got to focus on, on the difficult things, math and science. I wanted to get a degree in this stuff. I wanted to like work at NASA eventually. And somebody like me, I'm, I'm, I need that repetition. I need to see this kind of thing over and over and over again. So one of the things that I did was I covered my walls in whiteboards. I covered my wall. I got a glass table and I took white poster board and I taped it underneath and I put dry erase markers on every mirror and every window and every glass door in my place. And everywhere I went, when I would get up in the morning and brush my teeth, I would see like the, the prime factorization tree, which is something you learn in like, you know, middle school. But I needed that. You know, I needed to learn the differences between the numbers, the whole numbers, the rationals, the, all, all the different number types. And I needed this kind of repetition and I needed to keep going. And there was, for me, myself, I think it's important to acknowledge that a never quit attitude does not mean that I don't ever think that I didn't think about quitting. I think it's a very human, a very human. That's why I say never quit all the time. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, as a human, I do take a little issue when I hear people say stuff like, I never thought about quitting or I never think about quitting because there's nothing you can, you're supplying nothing to humanity. You're give what are you providing for people? Because most people aren't going to feel that way. That's maybe like a hmm. tiny percentage of people that might actually feel that way. But the majority of humans, you know, we have to face that wall. We have to face that like, oh man, I really want to quit. But it's, it's taking that next step or leaping over that wall and continuing on that really makes us champions of our own story. For me, you know, that math was daunting. Somehow I just 
trudged through it and kept on going and kept on going. And, and I tell you, I don't think there's anyone inherently bad at math or bad at physics or bad at in science. I think it's just there are people that are impatient, which is, I guess, that's fine, I guess, who don't want to practice. And if you sit there long enough, I, I would buy these great lecture courses, DVDs, and I would move my kitchen table in front of my giant TV. And I would pretend I was in this classroom, like raising my hand, you know, I, almost like I was getting one-on-one instruction. I have my notebook, I have my glass desk and I draw. And I, this is all I would do all day, all night. You know, unfortunately for a little while, it was to the detriment of my physical health because that's how much I, I kind of stopped going to the gym for a little while because I, I got so invested in, in overcoming this fear of math. You know, fortunately I, I was able to push through and, and it wasn't an easy road, but I managed to actually get a degree in like number theory and pure mathematics, which is like the most insane section of math. It's like theoretical mathematics currently right now en route to a graduate degree in a systems engineering, aeronautics or or aerospace engineering degree. And there's a big part of the story that's missing right here though. I mean, you can't just say you went through all of this and this incredible, you stripped the whole machine down and just made it a purpose driven you know, to to go through and achieve this understanding of math. It was more than just, I'm not good at this and I want to be good at it. Was there, what was the other motivation there? So that's a, a really good question. It's It's one of my favorite questions because it's something I try to understand about myself every day, every waking moment. I, I think, and I've only found two reasons, two things. And if you can tell me more, if you can think about this and tell me later what else you found, please do. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll accept whatever. But I think if you take, you know, what motivation, if you take what motivation, what motivates us and you put it in a centrifuge mm-hmm. and you spin it and spin it and spin it and try to pull out that, that particle, the one or two particles that gives all other particles like matter or mass. Uh, boson it, particle, yeah, exactly. Right? So I think those two things that I've discovered were a deeply held insecurity. And I, I have deep, deeply held insecurities in all aspects of life. And I think uh, the other one is that wantingness to be desired by be it the opposite sex or being relevant amongst a group of peers. These are two things that motivate me. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what those insecurities are. I try to identify those every day and being super insecure in math, being super insecure in myself and, and, you know, hanging out with the types of people I do, even in the teams, you have super smart dudes that are engineers that are like pig gunners and listed guys, but have like Embry Riddle and aeronautical <laughs> engineering degrees. And it's just Wharton and Harvard, yeah, yeah all across the world. So it's super inspiring to be around, but it's also like I'm insecure in that area. So I think I wanted to overcome that insecurity in a way. And it still exists. I mean, there's insecurities everywhere, and I'm just trying to identify them. And honestly, trying to understand the root cause i had to go through the same exact i mean for bane and them and plus my dad was a chemical engineer i mean brilliant just throw the calculus out in his head right i could do math but i actually had to take a class to work that ti-82 calculator to work the the math problem right i I could remember a couple numbers here and there and even when i was teaching my kids i still use my fingers too like with the nine like nine times six i'd be like or nine plus six like nine until someone showed me the shortcut I'm like nine and six. So what's what's under six? It's five. Put a one there. Fifteen. For nine and five is fourteen. Nine and three. And I mean, all it took was the little bit genius trick, right, to show me. And then eighteen delta, man. I took A and P books, ripped the page out, 
wallpaper. That's everywhere I went. It was just what I had to look at, right? At the detriment of my own physical health sometimes because of how hard I, so much so that I didn't know anything. But by the time my wife would have to come, I have two laptops, both my computers on watching astrophysics and chaos math and just going through all that number, trying to understand what is going on, right? And everything, when we dive into something, we, we wholeheartedly dive into it. That's what makes us a specialist, right? And that's what we are. We're specialists. Until you get it, because when once you obtain a certain level, you're like, wait a minute, man, I, why do I not know that? And it's not, it's insecure, it's embarrassing. Like, why, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I go back to college and <laughs> doing that three plus four math and the doesn't like, man, I feel like an idiot having to be in. I, I feel humiliated having to be in here, right? But then well, I should be humiliated for not trying to figure it out. And then it just takes time. Patience and, and, you know, most what's the, the worst thing on the planet? It's an undisciplined human mind. And once you figure out you can learn one thing, you can learn it all, right? And some of it's kept from you for a certain reason. I mean, at the beginning when we were the math part, I, I remember that, but it took just putting that thing under the table and putting a light bulb underneath it and watching it and doing it and watch, learn how to study. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Learn how, oh, yeah. how you learn because for some of us, we had to learn something else or see something else for that part to come in. I mean, you have to look at it like that. So it's, um, uh, when they say, "Yeah, I, I never thought about quitting," man, I did all the time. Yep. Especially when you get into something new. If you don't, if it's not for you, then you don't want to hang into it. And that, a never quit attitude can also keep you into something that you're like, "Man, maybe I'm, I'm never quitting this moment to death." Right? Yeah. <laughs> but then there's the times where you're like, "Hey, I, I have to be here. I, I, this, I got drawn here, and everything I, I've learned up to this point was for this moment, and and it's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everybody else would be here. The insecurities we have in ourselves are just the belief that we can do it but we were nervous about it or we haven't done it yet or we hadn't put the work in or somebody telling us that we can't do something or that it's not real or that only a handful of people or even if you don't think that you belong there it's kind of like wait, wait a minute well if if i don't then why would they why let's just see who puts the work in who gets the furthest that's how it works yeah and one of the one of the funnier or i guess one of the thought experiment ways that I like to identify this is is imagining like shutting my eyes and imagining I'm this 92 year old man on a deathbed minutes left to live in which I ask myself, like, did I, did I move towards those difficult things? Did I, did I, what scared me in life? What was I so afraid to do? And I, I'm still battling some of those issues right now. I, I, you know, uh, and I'll admit it freely right now that I, I have a super hard time saying I love you to people. It's not a thing that was necessarily said a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I try to be better at it and it's still hard. But I can see 92-year-old me saying, hey, this is like, this is, was an area that I was afraid or that I was insecure or whatever. And so then I open my eyes and I realize that I've snapped back to a younger version of myself. And this is almost or essentially my second chance to get it right. To, hey, don't allow that math or don't allow these things to kind of hold you captive. Go, oh, no, I'm alive again. I get to go, you know, do this. I'm not 92. I'm, you know, 36 years old. And so... Yeah, math was definitely one of those. There's so many powerful concepts circulating in what you're saying. I mean, from, you know, not being held down by self-limiting beliefs to the ability to discipline yourself to cut out unnecessary, cut dead weight in your life to achieve a goal, to, to the ability to simply change yourself, modify your behavior. These are all very difficult things for people to achieve. You can't just say, I, I picked this up while I was going through buds and developed this. This, this had to have been gained across your life experience. You want to, can, can you think of any more defining moments 
or defining moments of where this came from? Or is it just simply being introspective enough to say, I don't know. I, don't I see a problem. I'm going to find a way to solve it and I will follow I, through. I guess it. like a lot of it can boil down to obviously there's still many uncovered areas in which I haven't, I've yet to discover. But I also think about my nephews. I think about any, you know, future kids that I might have. And I think about setting a benchmark. You know, I, I, I'd never want them or the younger generations to say, look at my past lineage. No one in my family has college degree. No one in my family has, you know, education or has done this or has done that or even joined the military. No one has done any of this thing. And so that almost gives them permission to, to not attempt to exceed great, uh, you know, new achievements or go further. So I'm trying to take that stick, that benchmark and toss it as far as I can before I hand off to that next generation so that they can know, hey, not only can I do this, I'm going to go further than this. And it's about improving not just mine, but the future generation, the station in life from where we came from, because we came from, you know, welfare and Section 8 housing, you know, and as terrible as that sounds, I actually kind of loved it back then because we didn't know how poor we were. So, mm -hmm. so we, we lived, I lived right next door in a, these broke apartments to all my friends. So it's not until you get old and you look back and you realize this is, this is kind of sad. And my mom worked like 18 hour days, always kept us fed. Just the greatest human on earth. Um, also just the nicest lady. I don't, I don't know how she does it. Yeah. I think a lot of it would come down to that setting the benchmark. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's some in there on showing people that, that like you were saying earlier, that may have doubted you or have had doubts or that vocalize those doubts about you. And that's a, a great motivator. That's a great catalog from which you can draw some fire, you know, and mm -hmm. inspire yourself to, to keep going further. And I just, I would like to know more myself, you know, and so this process or this journey of self-discovery that goes on every day continues and i hope to answer that even better as years go on and that's the beautiful thing about aging is that we learn more about ourselves that's part about it man you don't really know if something you got to walk and be the man that you're not the kind of man that you are i like to say around here man you show me what you're afraid of we'll show you what you're made of each day now something new gets unlocked because of the knowledge and the experience that you had locked on on top of you and that's the only way you can make the, those huge gains and gallops that you're, you're making right now is because of the experience you've had behind you. That's, that's why it, was, it had to be tough. Yeah, there's, there's also the having worked a process to which I can sort of move towards goals. And I, I generally tell people this, you know, I talked earlier about the distractions and different things that might be a hindrance in the pursuit of my goal. Thinking about it as like a, a almost a three-dimensional cube. You can't see it right now, but I'm making a cube hand gestures with my hand. And let's say that goal is to get this cube to that goal post over there. And this is what I want to do with my life. What I like to envision is in what best way can we move this cube over there, utilizing its own weight, less friction, coefficient of static and kinetic friction um, to geek out a little bit in physics. It would be to chip off those edges and to sand it and uh, get the chisel out and, and really turn it into a smooth rolling ball. And then you can sort of roll that ball easier, much more efficiently than pushing that cube. And so for me, for an example, if I'm trying to do a, a like fitness, uh, a physique competition, which I, I tried to do on a few years ago, it was, it, it sounds silly. I know, but go? I don't know. I, I got accepted to Columbia university. So uh, I ended up missing it because I had to move across the country. But one of the things I thought about was like, 
one of those distractions is like having a cell phone. So I bought an iPod and I, I created a playlist huh. in which I never had to touch my iPod. So I removed all distractions, potential distractions. And so I'm moving towards that goal. You know, like when I wanted to go back to school, I had friends that were only, their only inspiration was going out and getting blacked out drunk downtown San Diego or PB or whatever. And sadly enough, you know, you have to let that, you have to chip those edges off. They're, they're, they're no longer in the benefit of your achieving what it is that you want to achieve. So for me, it was like chipping away, identifying those things and chipping away at it so that I can make a smooth ball and push that towards the goal. And these, this whole ball concept chipping away mm-hmm. exists for every goal, you know, for any and every goal that you have. And so it's a different like cube that you have to chip away. Well, what is it that I want to achieve over here? Okay. Then I have to, what's in the, in the way, what are the distractions? What is the hindrance? Let me get rid of this, 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 and let me move towards that. And so that process actually was very helpful in helping me achieve, you know, these goals, helping me go to back to school and learn and, you know, get to where I am. Yeah. It certainly sounds like for you, it's the processes that you can employ that you've learned more so than necessarily the specifics of what, uh, you need to know or do in to achieve that goal. What it's the fundamental driver, which are the processes that you've put together to do this, which is very interesting, but something you haven't talked about. And I know that we talked about this before we came on was you are an astronomy geek. That had to be a huge driver in, we talked to so many people and when they're successful at something, there's a commonality there, right? Marcus, Mm -hmm. that they're following their passion. Oh yeah. I mean, we come across it all the time. Well, it's that flame that burns, you know, when you become a team guy, man, it goes from red to blue, right? So everything you focus on, you just focus on it. And it's so vast out there and the studying of all that, you know, it's beyond our realm just to understand or comprehend a little piece of it the way we do and how, how, how unique it is and how vast it is. I mean, from the, from big bang all the way up and they, you can either think it's either chaos that came into order or order out of chaos, but it was that, I mean, it's, it's designed. The reason the earth and the moon and the sun, that perfect coincidence, right? That a solar eclipse can happen. But if it was true chaos, then while it was spinning, there's no way it would happen more than twice. But everything comes in, the, it's a perfect form of unity up there. It's, it's the one thing that sticks to its pattern. Astrology and astronomy, they all roll out and it's, it's, it's order. And to study that, and to understand that the the mathematical and the physical part of it is to understand everything in, in the creation because, you know, the scientists, Filipenko, Tyson, all them guys, they figure something out. It's the patterns revealed to them. It was already there. And they, it's kind of people who dig in the ground. Basically, people who study out there, the same as people who study in the ground. You, you dig, dig till you find something and you try to figure out what it is. And that's our galaxy is 100, 100 million light years across, right? Something like that. In the middle of it, it's a black hole. Who'd have ever thought that? They used to think that the universe was shrinking. Come to find out it's expanding and it's supposed to be 13.8 billion years old. What happens to a human at 13 years old? You hit puberty, right? You start growing. They found out that the universe is only a couple of degrees off in certain spots. Well, so is the human body from the toes to the head. Same thing. The systems in the body, the same thing run out there. Nine billion years our sun was formed. Nine billion years, like I said, a baby was formed. The exact systems and the exact way that whole function forms is unique to itself, but unique to the whole product. I mean, there's a, there's a designer. If you, those physicists and everybody who study it hard enough and, and they eventually figure out like, Hey man, I don't, you know, I don't, whether you believe in God or not, you know that somebody developed this, right? And it says it, that, that language is, is unbelievable. The way the patterns repeat themselves, the fact that we know that, I mean, 
over time, you, you, people think that back in the day that they were dumb or something like that. The Great Pyramid of Giza, man, is the central landmass on this planet. There's only one other pyramid like that. It's underneath the water. It's 365 degrees at the base. I mean, every single part of it was that was created by humans is in, in that capacity. I mean, it, it is unbelievable, especially how it lines up with everything that's going on out there. The, the Nile River runs right across of it, and it's the same pattern as the Milky Way. The three pyramids are the same size as Orion's belt up there. So, I mean... It doesn't matter what you study or how you study it, man. It's just in, in that capacity, it's so overwhelming that it's, it's hard to believe that you know, you're capable of some of that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, wow, there's, there's so much to know about that. It's funny you mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've heard you talk about him before as being a big influence on you, right? Yep. I've actually met and hung out with him. I might actually still have his phone number in my phone. So <laughs> super geeked out. We, we met randomly. On a, on a show that he had that was already booked, I just showed up like four hours early trying to sneak in, and I saw him walk past me, and I was like, uh, hey, Dr. Tyson, I'm trying to get in your show. He's like, oh, yeah, let me get you on. Give me your number, and then he got me on his guest list. Super. It went from like worst situation possible, showing up with no ticket, to being on his like VIP guest list with his family. So, yeah, he's super, super inspirational, but I would say more, more so than him would be Carl Sagan for sure. And and why is that? I mean, we on the show we talk, you know, the, the importance of mentors and people inspire you. So, what kind of influence has he had on getting you? I mean, we haven't really said this yet, but you are currently now working at NASA. You know, you're on track, and you have aspirations to be part of the astronaut program and all that stuff. So, what kind of impact has Carl Sagan, for example, had on? So he actually had a major impact on my humanity coming from. Like what we were talking about before the show about how there's a tendency for those people who, I guess, focus on the seedier underbellies of society, people who are perhaps in law enforcement or, you know, even in the SEAL teams and military, when, when your job is to constantly come face to face with some of the worst in humanity, there's a, there's a real, not just potential, but there's a, a reality that you're, you're grinded down a bit, you know, your, your perspective, your positivity in life, your your childhood curiosity, that kind of stuff moves out of the way. And then, in that. And then yeah. you, you take on sort of a bitterness that goes on. And I, I saw that, you know, in the teams, I saw that in a lot of guys, not at all, but a lot of guys, 25, 20, 25 years and above, I didn't see too many that I wish to emulate. This is all military. In fact, there's always this little bit of bitterness. And I was like, I, I didn't like that. I wanted, to, I wanted to retain that childhood curiosity. And where, is, where can we find that? NASA, you know, NASA <laughs> is like every kid wants to like live and work and NASA. that the beauty of NASA working there is you don't have to grow up. You can still be a kid. So when I got, when I got out, I really just started reading everything he had. I, I always knew Carl Sagan in the nineties as like the sci-fi writer. I didn't know who he was as a science communicator. And the guy was just leaps and bounds beyond in his, in terms of humanity. He had an understanding or a perspective of what we are as a species that really just changed my life. I've always loved astronomy. I've always loved astrophysics, but he brought the real humanity into it. He married up what it means to be a human and understand things like astronomy and great distances and sizes. Can you think of any specific thing he said or example or something that was really poignant? So if you've ever written or if you've ever read The Pale Blue Dot, which is an essay, which is what you were talking about, the image, he has an entire, he was the one who directed the Voyager to turn its cameras around in like June of 89 and take a picture of the earth. And, and on it, it's a little tiny dot 
in this giant pixelated darkness. And he wrote an, uh, an essay on it that I think is one of the most beautiful things ever written. You can go on YouTube and you can actually hear him reading it out loud. You know, honestly, I might differ with some of you guys in terms of where you derive your spiritual fulfillment. You know, I don't subscribe to like the faith-based ideology in the sense that I, you know, I require a falsifiable realm. The realm that I want to make my discoveries is in a realm that is falsifiable, meaning it can be proven or disproven versus an unfalsifiable where you can't prove. It just has to be taken on faith. Yeah, that that's fine. I don't, that doesn't bother me. That's just not how I operate. I can't, I need things, you know? And he said things like, you know, we are, we are the custodians of our own life's meaning. And, and oftentimes you'll see, I, I, one of the things that irks me is going on like social media or Instagram and seeing inspirational quotes that are like, you know, life is about, you know, this and this and that. And I think to myself, life is about what I want life to be about. You know, don't ascribe onto me what you think your life is supposed to be about. And what I learned from Carl Sagan was mm. that I get to set the course of my own life. I get to create my own meaning. And what does my life mean to me? Well, it means discovery, means doing good, being as good as I can. And then we get we can get into the issue of morality as a thing, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I know. We are, we are drifting. No, yeah. keep going. This is interesting. So he, he I mean, if you just look, look at, any of his writings or, or listen to him speak, he, he speaks about humanity in a way that it seems like one of the beautiful things about astronomy is you can, you can detach yourself from planet earth and take an, a dispassionate extraterrestrial observers perspective and see us. Mm-hmm. And you can find the two most opposite types of lifestyles, you know, life, religion, whatever. And to a, an alien, we look identical. So there, that wouldn't, those differences would, wouldn't seem very different. So there's more cause for celebration that we're alive and we're alike than there are for reasons to go to war. You know, we, we're, we're smart species. We're not that smart yet, but it it really just returned to me a humanity and it made me want to contribute in a way to that human house of knowledge. And how can I best do that? Go to NASA, go to school, study science, try to provide for the next generation, at least some knowledge about what's out there. Pretty amazing. That's a hell of an answer. It's very interesting. Is it the Wilson telescope, Wilson scope, the one that painted out the 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 egg of the the universe when they tracked the Big Bang, the, all the light back, and the cosmic rock, microwave background, the rock, that Robin's egg photo. I want to say was all those from Hubble. All the guys that send that stuff out there and take those pictures and and, and send those those back, man. That Hubble especially. I'll get on sometimes at night, man. I'll turn the TV on, t- turn all the lights off. Get, uh, Get on YouTube and type into the space station and watch that thing just roll through there or Hubble going through. And, and, it's beautiful. Yeah, all the pillars. Dude, yeah, it's it's something, man. That's one of those things that all the astronauts say about going to the International Space Station. It's one of the things that I really want to go up for is because their entire perspective changes. And you should expect it when you view the planet from that height or that distance. Mm-hmm. And you see, you see it's actually, you know, this this organism. And we are just like living on it. And we could do things to help further or advance our species in a way that might be, you know, a little bit more peaceful than, you know, threatening each other with nukes. And oh, that's great, man! You want peace so bad, you invent a nuclear weapon. <laughs> that's that's double edged, right? No, we invented it so we'd have peace. Like, we were talking about this earlier, man. It's like, but it, it, it also drives innovation. Yeah, like, yeah right. war oh, does man. drive innovation. Yeah, sure. Like if you want to go back to, you know, see who's. Toughest, or if any time a war needs to be fought, man, you just pull the weapon. We're back to you know baseball bats, axes, and swords. See who really want to fight then, right? It's kind of deal. 
nowadays, I mean, with the technology, it just goes with technology. We wrote, we roll with it, right? It kind of, it pulls and pushes itself and same. It's kind of the love of the opposites, right? Our curiosity on everything that's around here and our ability to create things and, and to sustain our life is simply amazing, especially something deeper than, you know, water, fire and food and shelter. Well, that's a really interesting concept. The combination of a macro scale issues and thinking of solutions for that combined with a macro scale view of the entire earth in one image. It's, I hadn't thought about that like that before. Moving a little further, so, you know, we have all of our, we have guests from all different walks of life and different points in their life and et cetera. Not a whole lot of them are people who have gone through some life changing, life formulating events, right? But then also have major challenges coming up in the future. And you're kind of unique in that way, how, you know, you're looking, you're just on your path right now. And with the end goal, becoming an astronaut and God knows what after that. So maybe you could give us an idea of what you're seeing out in front of you and how you're thinking about implying, applying what you've learned coming up here in your quest to uh, reach outer space. So one of the big hurdles, obviously, is is I have to finish that graduate degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's now a requirement for the astronaut program. It never really was in the past. At least it wasn't on the list of requirements. I think this next iteration of class candidate selectees, it's going to be, at least what Chris told me, it's going to be on listed on there as a requirement. On Saturday, actually yesterday, I went and uh, started getting all the info info required for flight school. I need to mm-hmm. you know get my pilot's license. It's just, so what I'm trying to do is stack all the cards in my favor so that when the application time comes around, I have just an awesome resume. And it doesn't hurt that I know a bunch of astronauts too, you know, and yeah, some you, of the best. You know, a former guest we've had on Chris, Chris Cassidy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. He's an impressive guy. Yeah. Too. Super impressive guy. You run into him down there at, uh, in Houston. Yeah, right? I actually got the job because of him. So I, really? I stayed at his house over the summer. He invited me to come crash with him. I had just graduated from Columbia University and I went down to, came down to Houston and stayed with him. And then he gave me that VIP tour and I told him what I, what it is that, you know, I want to do. I, I use it as a, a few days to sit down and get the best intel I could on what the application process is like. Yeah. Being that he was like formerly the chief of the astronaut office, like the head astronaut of yeah. NASA. So he would know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get this information from him and and he's super helpful and I'm like, okay, well, I need to finish this degree and I also kind of need to need to work or do something while I do this. And he was like, well, as we were on tour, I was like, well, you can kind of work here, I guess, if you want. I was like, this is awesome. I get to help train astronauts prepare for spacewalks, which what is a better place. Yeah. Right. So. Especially for a team guy. Marcus, you took that tour, right? You've been. Oh yeah. We were down the other day. Millie took us down for our birthday and we got a chance to tour around. Chris was there. Um, so I was talking to, um, Vandy for a little bit, Scott, we didn't get to go down into the pool, but we, you know, walked around the deck and everything like that. Got to go into mission command, see all that. The flight director was there and, and just, uh, oh, we were, che- they were checking into the space station while we were there. That was a cool part about it. So I, I got it. I email when you go up there, man, I make sure I get your email address, uh, email back and forth. Awesome. So, Cause I was like, Hey man, I'll send you some cool videos. He's like, Oh, don't worry. They streamline everything up there. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's a trip. Oh, the best was with, uh. We were in the space station on the side of the deck right there, kind of walking through the pods and whatnot. And then he had the, the capsule that you guys do re-entry in. And uh, it was old, the old one, right? Oh, the, yeah. The one the, the Ruskies use. And he's like, see, I go, man, it kind of like an SDV. You're all piled. I was like, where's the new one look like? He's like, man, if it ain't broke, they don't fix it, man. It's just, it's, <laughs> yeah. 
That's what you got. Yeah, the the, the Russian technology. It, <laughs> it's tough. interesting. Just tough. And it loud. works. <laughs> it does, right? But no, that was fun. I, I'm just the overall. Did you watch First Man? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I tell you, man. I like that. I when you that was t- good. Hey, look. When we had not problems crunching numbers, I tell you, when they were when the Apollo 13 mission was going down there to crunch all those gimbals and everything, when they were fixing the blackout, I'd have been like, hey, we're screwed. Yeah. You want me to do what? Gimbals? What the hell is that? I'm not doing math still right now. Teaching that kind of, okay. You still have to learn gimbal numbers. No. Can you explain gimbal numbers? No, to, uh... I, I've actually never never used gimbal numbers. That's why, probably. What, what are gimbal <laughs> numbers? Aren't gimbal numbers uh, like a way of describing a three dimensional coordinates in a three dimensional space? It could yeah. be, but we also have like vector calculus and and in which we can describe coordinates in three dimensions. Well, maybe that's it. But the whole point was, weren't they doing that in order to to dock with something? Why were they doing uh, that? I, I think it was coming back for reentry. Yeah, it had, absolutely that. has to do with well. the the plane, the level horizon, and yeah, you know, whatever. Anyways. I don't even know. That's why they got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> what other uh, what other challenges you can have as far as coming up here? And so obviously, I'm going to have to compete against thousands of people. Um, yeah, one of the a lot of smart people, a lot yeah, of people with big. Impressive yeah. letters and seriously abbreviations after the name and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So some of these people are extremely impressive. You know, there are there are guys and gals in their young thirties in the astronaut candidate class right now that are held positions as professors at MIT. You know, they already have their doctorates. They're pilots. They're well versed pilots. They're just adventurous skydivers with like you know D and C licenses. Really? Yeah, and these are just people that go out and get after it. And so that's why I'm trying to you know, obviously bolster mine, make it as attractive as possible. Um, mm-hmm. GI bill for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used the GI bill. Already. You already use it? I did, but there's also folk rehab. I don't know if you guys. Yeah. 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 You can use that thing. Brand, get your rotary and fixed wing, man. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's a cool part, man. Just everyone, they're getting a hurry to get that education in the beginning in the first part of it. Right. And then they think they're kind of, they're kind of it. And then they're just applying the, the first 12, the college part, and then they go out and they do the deal. And then some people will do, do the following about us, man. Every day's training. Yep. Every single day. And the teams are, there is no normal day. Every day something comes, it's something new you learn. And, and that's, that's just the, the, the greatest part about it. And it's kind of like, hey, man, if it's got wheels, we can drive. It's got hair, we can ride it. It's got a beat, I can dance to it. If it's got wings, I can crash it. Yeah. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. It just takes that one thing, right? It's like once I see that and I, and I, I was like, I could have never learned that or wasn't interested in it. And it just takes that one little deal. The fear, I think, is what it is for us, right? As soon as something gives us the heebie-jeebies, because we're specialists. We've been, that's why we're not heroes. Heroes, humanity's ever-evolving one, right? So people get situation they're not ready for, they're not trained for it, and you step into it. That identifies you as one. We've been trained in almost everything. Not only that, we keep training. And every time, if something does show up that we're like we're uncomfortable with or ready for it, even if we turn away from it, it kind of sparks our engines to turn back around. And once we figure it, that's the way it was with math. Once I got that one deal, right? Once I started studying up top and and down below, and the correlation in between, it's just from medicine to geology. It's just everything kind of piques our interest because it's connected to another one. Yep. And the more you the more you study it, the more proficient you get in it. You actually get more proficient in other things. It's just kind of a Never try to master anything, get as good at many things as humanly exactly. possible to you because you fall into something you're not ready for. Or somebody else does. And you, we, we, we said it's incumbent upon us to do that. We have to step in and, and pull our weight. Everything that has been granted to us our entire life, man, for whatever reason, 
<laughs> you said that so perfectly, man. We was like, man, never quit. That's all I thought about doing. That's why I had to say it so much. Like, don't quit. Don't quit. Just keep going. It's a real um, human thing to face that wall. You it know? is, man. Yeah. And to exactly. overcome it. Perhaps you're not being challenged enough if you're not saying that from yep. time to time, right? It's a good point. Well, unless you've got another burning question for him. No, man, that's dude, that's great. I thank you so much for coming out here and doing yeah, this. Man. Thanks for having me. This we, is an honor. Usually when we try to wrap when we start wrapping this thing up, we like to ask our guests for if you want to distill down part of what you said into some little digestible nuggets, or it can be something completely unrelated to what we've talked about, but just pieces of advice, things that have stuck with you, have served you well over time that um, you can just put out there. You never know who's listening, what's going to stick with who's listening. A couple things like that you might want to lay down. So I, I, I love the movie Lord of the Rings. It's great, right? So great. And let me tell you how it's related. It's amazing. So it, it's it's related because every every person is on their own hero journey and if lord of the rings the hobbits had a smooth clear path straight to mordor right away and then tossed the ring in what story would that make that would make no story that'd be ridiculous so exactly applicable in life in our lives we're gonna have these mountainous obstacles to carry we're gonna have these dangerous you know realms these these dangerous creatures and these are all those those are all the the moments in our stories where we would want to quit you know the, these these obstacles these monoliths i guess you can call it mm. i guess being being okay in the knowledge that this is part of the journey that you're gonna face these things this is it's okay but know that you can just take that next step and keep going and not stop you're gonna think about quitting like we've said about three or four times now perfectly normal human thing but what makes us the heroes of our story and what makes us extraordinary is the fact that we not only, you know, that does seep in and permeates into our thoughts, but then we just take that next step and we take that next leap and we keep going and we suffer through it. And guess what? At the end, we toss that ring in. Yeah. We become the heroes of middle earth. Well said. Well said, man, brother. It's a great way to very, uh, it's a great analogy of laying that out like that. I like that. Thank you for coming in and talking to us. It's been enlightening. It's been interesting. I think the people listening to this will be, you know, we like to say that um, every one of these shows and every guest and what they say doesn't speak to everybody, but it does speak to some specific people at the certain place and point they are in their life, and it gives them something that they absolutely need. So I think we've achieved that today, and it's been Cool hanging out with you for a while. Yeah. I look forward to when we turn these microphones off and stuff like that too. Yeah, uh, yeah well, thanks for having me. It's been super, it's been a super honor to be here. It's cool. I've been listening to you guys for a while and stoked. Sometimes I don't think I'm in anywhere in the realm of anyone that you guys generally have on here, but it's always cool and neat when people find my life interesting. Well, I promise. Thanks for making your life interesting, man. <laughs> Good lord, that's that's the coolest thing. Is it's the kids and they came out of nothing from nowhere, and that's the best part about being born with no last name and no money, and being born here and, and raised up here and, and training with all of us, man. Is you just get to learn about yourself, what you do know and what you don't know, and each day of that un unveils something else, which puts you on a on a different path or on the same one with more power. Never stop learning, man, and just keep going and. Roger that. Dude, when you, well, I, I can't wait, but we're going to be there at the launch. 
<laughs> I'm gonna try to sneak in. <laughs> I'm freaking turn going. Around, you're gonna yeah. be like, "What? How did you get in that yeah. chair? What's the trill doing here? What, I got what? it, man. I got the med bag. All right, bro. <laughs> I don't know gimbal numbers, but I choked that other fellow. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, gonna, we're gonna need these damn gimbals. You think I'm lying? <laughs> I brought them. I wrote them all down right here, fellas. I got the instructions. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Uh, we're out. Once again, our boys don't disappoint, do they? No. Well, it took it to a different level, man. I love where his mind's going and how he's working and how fast he's going and picking stuff up. And, it, man, it's just the cool part about being in the teams and getting the guys get out and they do stuff like this. You know, hey, like, I was a teammate with that dude, right? Yeah, I got a buddy who's an astronaut. What's up, you? You know what I mean? Oh, I know that guy. So what, do you got a buddy who's an astronaut or something? Yeah, I do, man. Back, two of them. Back to got two of them. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, bro. Thanks for coming in and sharing that. Really, that's uh, that was outstanding. I think it's pretty easy to see that. Listen to how he talks. The trajectory he has been on, um, he's just going to continue on that. I have no doubt he's going to become an astronaut. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, oh, did you go back and learn math like that? Right. <laughs> it's willpower, man. It's just what whatever you got in the front side focus and what you're going after is what you're going to achieve. And and he he's another example of that. And just like all of our guests, so like, bro, I don't I, man, I can't say enough about you. Wasn't it impressive how um, it showed up a few times in that, how he is obviously, he spends, he's very conscious of um, refining the efficiency and effectiveness of his actions and what he's doing. You know, he's, he's very introspective uh, about updating and, and just maximizing his time, stripping away the unnecessary components to be able to streamline yourself to just oh yeah that just comes with time and age and experience man when you, know? you as you as you go through through life and things come in and out you see what's important what's not you get on your path and you push forward and, and the rest is golden that's a difficult thing to achieve though a lot of people get burned down by distractions sure everybody does man that's the whole point about it that's it yeah. that's why the distractions are there because it's it's limited to those who are willing to put in the work i don't care if you have any special skills or you don't you know, on the hard work Throughout that entire journey, each one of those kind of traits is going to meet resistance, and it's just those the the will to keep pushing forward. That's how you get it. Mm -hmm. And what the other thing was uh, the self limiting beliefs. You know, fighting against that, the whole issue of him being raised under the mindset that uh, you know math is not something you're good at. You can't you can't understand that. There's why waste your time even trying. And, and, and obviously, he just turned that on its head and crushed it. Yep. Right. Yep. Degree in pure math. Pure math. Well, good. Well, all right, man. You want to do some housekeeping? I absolutely do. How to listen to us. You can stream directly from our website, tnqpodcast.com, or virtually any other podcast app, whether it's on an iPhone or an Android. iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, and, Ca and Radio Public is where you can find us. All right. And for social media, you can start out by following us, Team Never Quit, on all the major social media outlets. Specifically, you can follow the show at, on Instagram at tnqpodcast. You can follow Marcus and Marcus Luttrell, you can follow myself, the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. Or type in tnqpodcast.com and you can listen to us directly in all of our current and past episodes. Everyone from David Goggins to Mike Rowe, Missy Franklin, Mr. Mark Wahlberg, and Mr. Dakota Meyer. We have got a list of people you can't even believe now. It's, it's uh, simply amazing. We also have merchandise from our t-shirts to our hats. And the greatest part about it, the main body of this whole thing is our listener write-in stories. And um, it truly is one of our favorite elements. It, it personifies what this is and what it's all about. And you can find that under the menu tab at Share Your Story. And that's exactly what we have right here. So just going to, without further ado, we're going to launch into 
This is a great story, and um, here we go. This is from Sean. Dear Marks and the Wizard, first of all, thank you for your service to our great country. You are the pinnacle of what makes this country exceptional. Thank you. I don't know if I deserve that, but <laughs> I appreciate you saying so. My Never Quit story is actually not mine at all. My Never Quit hero is my wife, Elizabeth. It's deeply personal, so I asked her permission, and given that she knew about your podcast and its intention of helping others, she gladly agreed to let me share it in the hope that it might help someone else. Elizabeth grew up in a normal, low-to-middle-class family. She had a strong upbringing and a good childhood, until age four when she began being molested by a neighbor. This went on until age seven when her family moved out of the neighborhood. Like most children that undergo this abuse, she kept it a secret, thinking that it was somehow her fault and that she had done something wrong. She tried to forget it and lock it away, turning those bad thoughts into a drive to be perfect and control as much as she could in her life. She became a star athlete, eventually becoming a top performer you know, on the swimming and softball teams in high school and really becoming exceptional in her favorite sports soccer, earning a college scholarship for her talent. Life seemed to be going well. Then, when she was in her early 20s, she was asked by two men that had befriended her in a bar to accompany her to another location down the street. After she entered their car, they drove to a remote location, violently raped her, and then dropped her on the side of the road like a piece of garbage. Once again, she hid this from her family and even her roommate, blaming herself for getting into a position where that could have happened to her. Soon after, she began dating a man from college. They dated a few years, got married, but immediately after being married, he became emotionally and physically abusive. One night, the abuse came to a head and he beat her, hitting her in the face and throwing her on the floor. She knew this would not change if she stayed, so she filed for divorce. They were divorced on their one-year anniversary. Elizabeth tried her best to move on with her life as best she could, but this time she turned to drugs and alcohol to deal with the pain. She began a several-year cycle of self-medicating, which of course only made things worse. One morning, she was helping a friend work on a parade float. She was standing near the edge of the float about 10 feet off the ground when a 350-pound slab of marble that had not been secured slid off its base. It pushed her off the edge. She landed upside down on her head, cracking her skull, and the 350-pound slab landed on top of her, breaking three of her ribs, slamming into her spine. She also had a piece of rebar go all the way through her calf. She was in the ICU for three weeks, with bleeding in her brain on top of her other injuries. But the most significant would be the damage to her spine. This injury accelerated a condition called spondylitis where her spine began to slip apart from itself. After spending a few years trying to heal physically and spending some time in treatment, returning to her faith in God to become whole again, she got sober and started working a good job. This is around the time we met. We fell in love and were married soon after. But as we were getting accustomed to our new marriage and a blending of, of the families, Elizabeth's pain from her old spinal injury was getting worse. We went to a surgeon who quickly told us that she had a 50% slip in her vertebrae. She had stage 3 slippage, and it's stage 4. Your spine falls into your pelvis. So they performed surgery on her spine, putting in two rods, eight screws, and they created a new disc for it. But they found that the nerve that comes out of the vertebrae, the same one that goes down the left leg, was severely damaged. Due to the extreme amount of slip, the nerve was coming out of the vertebrae at a 90-degree angle and it had been rubbing against the arthritic bone shards, doing irreversible damage to the nerve. And they told us that she would probably live with a constant nerve pain the rest of her life. Then, when she was about to be sewn up, the 14-inch incision she had in her spine became infected. She was hospitalized two more times for this, 
and was placed on a pick line where she had to walk around with an IV bag on 24 hours a day. Her body had a bad reaction to the amount of antibiotics and she developed an allergy to them. Her skin turned as red as a lobster and blistered and her face and hands so swollen she couldn't even wear her glasses. She often fought fevers that were so bad that the bed would be dripping wet. Her worst fever hit 104.9 degrees. She began to recover and when things were looking better, she decided she wasn't going to let this keep her down. Despite her back pain, despite her back pain, she wanted to get back in touch with her athletic roots. So she decided to go play a game of indoor soccer. On the first game, she went up for a block and came down on her left leg, breaking her tib fib. Apparently, the people could hear the break from the stands. This took a while to heal. The break had seemed to agitate the nerve in her left leg, which was already giving her daily pain. She had to get a plate and screws in her leg to put it back together. I could go on about other things she has suffered, such as the fact that she developed tinnitus in her her ear and had to have cranial surgery to repair it, and how the other ear is developing the same problem. I won't go into all the details, but suffice it to say that she deals with daily nerve pain in her back and leg that is now spreading to her hands, face, and feet. The The doctors say it may be fibromyalgia, but they're still running tests. Through all this, Elizabeth is is the one who points out that I am being ungrateful. She keeps me positive when I start to complain about the stresses of life. Despite her pain, she purposely stays on the lowest amount of medication she can so that she can still drive, go to work, and be a great active mom that she is. She pushes our children to be great and work hard. She keeps ordering the house. She is an example to me in keeping faith in Christ when all seems dark. And she's going back to school this year to get her master's in counseling so that she can help other women who have been going through trauma and sexual abuse like she has. She's my hero. She truly never quits. Thank you so much for letting me share this. Sincerely, Sean. Wow. Sean, thank you for writing that. Elizabeth, thank you for agreeing to, to share that and continuing to, to drive forward. That's... Uh, you have been through some trials and tribulations. and No, man, our women are our strongest asset. <laughs> Without them, man, we'd fall apart. So truthfully, thank you for writing that in there. Absolutely. Uh, also, thank you to Mario. It was a pleasure, sir, having you uh, come sit down with us. I'm sure that um, a lot of the listeners who just, who just uh, got through the episode here are thinking the same thing. Probably several of them are going to go back and listen to it again. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for coming back and listening to us and bringing all these guests in here to be a to be a part of it. So thank you guys so much. I want to thank God, Christ, and my family, and and all my friends, and letting us do this. It truly is a blessing. We're out. We're out.